Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you feel like you're fine and you're secure in your job, I want you to listen very carefully because you're not. Today on episode 514 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the CEO of High Return Real Estate, Jeff Schechter, also known as Shecky. I'm going to ask Shecky how to succeed in a rapidly changing business environment and much more. You can find out more about Shecky along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Now, before we get into our discussion, I want to tell you a little bit about our friends at SiteHub. If you want a system to build your acquisition of new clients without any homework on your part, contact SiteHub at yoursitehub.com. Now, let's welcome Jeff Schechter. Jeff, also known as Shecky, has had the entrepreneurial bug his entire life. He started his first business right out of college and over the years has been involved in numerous business ventures. His love for real estate investing began in the 1980s when he rehabbed five of his own residences before the term house hacking even existed. Since those early days of torn up kitchens and bathrooms, Shecky has bought and sold many properties and is an active investor to this day. In addition to investing, he operates a private consulting practice. He thrives on helping people realize their full potential, not just in business and investing, but in all aspects of life. Shecky, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Thank you for saying all those nice things about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to introduce people um, saying the nice things. And, and actually, that is a great prompt for my first question, which is, I've just listed a whole bunch of successes. You've been an entrepreneur for, um, sounds like, practically your entire adult life. Yeah. Has it all been successes? <laughs> That's funny. No, I would say the amount of failures far outweighs the amount of successes. No question. Okay. So what's your secret sauce to keep on trucking and be able to appreciate the successes in spite of the failures? Well, I think any successful entrepreneur just obviously has to develop a very, very thick skin. They can't really be too super judgmental of themselves. I always, one of the lessons I learned early was I, somebody told me I was a baseball fan when I was a kid. And, you know, of course, Babe Ruth, one of the greatest names in baseball ever was the home run king. But what most people didn't realize is he was also the strikeout king. And I don't remember who originally gave me that lesson, but taught me that stat, but it always stuck with me. And it just kind of taught me like, hey, you just you just got to keep getting up and getting up to the plate and taking swings. And even if you keep striking out, eventually you're going to get a hit. Maybe you'll get a home run. Yeah. And what do you find are some of the hardest parts of the strikes as you're trying to get to the home runs? Well, I think it's just a matter of like, like I said, like, don't beat yourself up too much. I think there, there it's very easy for us to have very negative self-talk, but the fact that you did get up and tried and you have to focus on that and said, well, okay, we tried, we didn't work. If you look at, you know, kind of another example from history is uh, Thomas Edison when he was inventing the light bulb and, you know, everybody 
kind of knows the story that it took him about 10,000 times to figure it out. And when interviewed, the interviewer said, you know, what, how does it, how did you figure that out? And he goes, well, I didn't really necessarily figure out how it worked. I figured out 9,999 ways that it didn't work. So I think when you go out there in any kind of entrepreneurial venture, you have to, even for the things that don't work and don't make sense to continue, you have to pat yourself on the back and just say, hey, I just figured out another way that this would not work or this particular business would not work. Right. So uh, trial and error and, um, and the process of elimination. Yeah. I mean, you, you just got to keep getting up. And I think that's not necessarily true of everybody. I think that if you if you really have your heart set on being a real entrepreneur, it's just kind of a, a mindset that you're going to have to adopt. It, uh, otherwise, it's going to be really difficult for you. Yeah. So I, I'd love actually to talk a little bit about transitions. I know you and I had a chat before setting out to record today's episode, and we talked a little bit about the challenge of of transitions going from one thing that may be working for you to something that ends up not working all that well. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> well, it's a big one. I got a late start in the business that I'm in now. And, you know, as you so eloquently introduced me, I've been in some form of entrepreneurship pretty much my entire adult life. And, I was actually working for a friend of mine, learning uh, a lot about uh, social media, and we were doing some consulting in that arena. And I just, you know, it was one of the few situations where I was doing it to, I was working for somebody else, which I didn't love, but I was in a learning mode and eventually just got to a point where I had to, I had to strike back out on my own and I didn't really know how to do that. And of course, at the time I was, now I'm in my early sixties, I was in my late fifties. So talk about a late transition, but I think you just have to, at least what I did, and I'm going to get a little bit woo woo on you, David, is I just put it out there to the universe. I basically wrote on my little whiteboard in my office with my crappy left-handed chicken scratching. And I just put basically five things that I was looking for in my next opportunity. And I didn't really give it too much thought. I just said, these are very general ideas. And I just threw them up there on the board and I kind of left it alone. And over the next few weeks, although I wasn't really prepared for that to happen, something emerged that really uh, caught my attention. Even though I wasn't really looking for it, it came to me. And when I did actually start analyzing that business opportunity, I happened to glance up at the whiteboard and saw all the things that I had written down. And it was like, huh, check, 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 check. And it was like, okay, this is really obvious. This is a very, very strong sign from the universe that this is something that I need to do. And it made that decision very, very easy for me. Now, I recognize that some people would not find that decision easily because they would say, well, that's just silly. That's just, you know, the universe is not sending you messages or anything like that. But for me, that's what worked. And that's what I, I recommend for others. And that's what I recommend to my consulting clients is just feel into things and see what feels right for you. Sometimes that's a much better indicator than whether all the analytics are perfect. Right. But I also heard as part of the process, writing down what you want 
in a place yes. where you can see it every day and, yep. and being open to new opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a, you know, there's got to be an open mind. You know, there's got to be an open heart. But when I did write things down, I will tell you that they were fairly general. I mean, it wasn't like, okay, I have to be, you know, doing exactly this in a, you know, in a purple room in this city, in this town at this time. It, it wasn't really that specific. Um, it was just five things I was looking for in my next opportunity. Right. And they presented themselves very, very clearly. And Shecky, let's fast forward to where you are now in your business and the kind of work that you do. Whom do you serve? We serve investors. Uh, we serve real estate investors uh, that are looking for just good returns on rental properties. And that's the product that we provide. Okay. And you also mentioned that you're, that you do some consulting as well. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, when I was living in Austin, I, I live in Indianapolis now, but when I was living in Austin, I did a, a, a lot of work in the uh, digital marketing space and I, I learned a lot there and I still do a lot of consulting in the marketing arenas. And for whatever reason, just because of my nature, some of that bleeds over into personal stuff. And um, I wouldn't exactly call it life coaching because I hate that term, but it is, um, you know, usually when somebody has some issue with their business or they have some resistance to marketing, the resistance is sometimes coming from somewhere else. And oftentimes that is personal. It may just have been a uh, previous experience or it may just be a limiting belief. And so I really try and help people figure out what that is and what's stopping them. Because, you know, marketing themselves is somewhat of a, you know, there's an art, but a lot of it is just a science. Uh, you know, putting the right message in front of the right people. And so sometimes if you have a challenge with that, there's usually some sort of blockage coming from somewhere else. Mm. What's an, an example of, uh, of one of those? Well, here's a good example. So I, I had a client recently, a really lovely woman that just said, I don't want to appear to be this like snake oil salesperson. I don't want to be all salesy. And when we really got down to it, she was having some struggles feeling really confident in the services that, uh, that she provided. So she was still kind of questioning her own worth, questioning her own capabilities in this particular. And she's in a very like unusual space within the natural health field. And so when we finally got down to it, I don't think that she was fully convinced that what she was doing was really going to help people go to the next step. And the next step was obviously a layer of something else that she did. So it was that first step where she was struggling and it felt very salesy to her. And we, we basically just reverse engineered the whole process to where she finally understood that she was really doing a disservice to people if she wasn't figuring out a way to hook them in with the initial sales piece. Because if that didn't happen, then obviously they would never get to the good stuff with her. And so, you know, it's kind of a classic case if the end justifies the means. But, you know, we got rid of the blockage and her understanding uh, that it wasn't salesy, that it was definitely serving her audience. And once she kind of got that and got her brain around it and got her heart around it, we were able to de develop some stuff, some front end stuff that was, you know, a little bit softer, a little bit more on her voice, 
but it still served the sales process of getting people into her sales funnel and getting them to the point where they could go for the uh, you know the bigger packages and things like that where she offered where they could really get some some huge benefit from that. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And Shecky, are there are there corollaries in the kinds of cases that you work on in the real estate investing space? I think to a certain extent. I mean, we've tried hard in our business and our marketing, and it's difficult because especially with everything being online now, everything is kind of hypey. And so how do you create a situation that isn't so much hype, but that you you know, show people that you have value and merit and there's lots to what you do. And so we've just tried to, like, for example, in, in our space and in any of the, uh, you know, sort of high ticket item spaces, there tends to be a lot of gurus that are promoting training. And it starts with a free training and then it's an upsell and then it's more training and then it's coaching and this and that. And I, I get it because all of that time, they're obviously developing some set of authority, but my business partner and myself never felt strongly that like, hey, you really don't have to have a lot of training to understand what a good deal is on a rental property. I mean, you've got to understand four or five different metrics. And, you know, you obviously have to have a good inspection. and know you're getting a good property and things like that. But it's not like you've got to become this, you know, expert in flipping or anything like that. So we decidedly chose to go a little bit against the grain and not be gurus. And I mean, we're, we're good investors and we know what we're doing and we, we know how to bring good products to market, but we specifically chose not to be in the guru business. And we just tend to keep things a little bit more factual and a little bit less hype. So we talk more about, you know, market trends and processes and things that we do. And yeah, it's maybe not as sexy, but the audience that we serve seems to have liked it and to have found us because it's working. Yeah, no, I think actually you're onto something really fundamental. Um, yes, the internet has certainly led to a plethora of visibility for the gurus. Yeah. And I don't have data to support this, but anecdotally, it seems to me that most people are not in the guru business and they provide perfectly good results for the people they serve in their businesses. And And yet I see a lot of people when it comes to the, marketing and sales efforts, they compare themselves to the guru style businesses and they feel somehow like they're falling short. Yeah. And what's good about it, and I, I think that the trends are changing a little bit and it, and it kind of goes back to my little, you know, more spiritual conversation earlier. And if I can go down that road a little bit more, I do feel like there are people becoming more and more awakened. There is definitely a, a, a rising of the consciousness of the planet. And people are becoming much more attuned to whether somebody is phony or real, even online, which, you know, five years ago was nearly impossible because everybody online was putting on a front. And now we're moving it more into an era of authenticity. And I think that's important. So we've just, uh, you know, my business partner, myself, have just said, let's just be authentic. Let's just be transparent. Let's admit when we make mistakes and we make plenty of them. And, you know, let's correct our mistakes and just move on. And the people that are supposed to find us will find us. And the people that don't resonate with us, you know, that's probably a good thing, too, because we're not out there looking to be all things to all people. Yeah, well said. Well said. Now, Shecky, for, for people who may be 
um, looking at entrepreneurship for the first time, not at the age you were when you became an entrepreneur, but let's say they're mid-career, uh, maybe they're in their late 40s or their 50s, and they have been an employee for their entire working life up until this point, and then there's some major trigger that causes them to pursue entrepreneurship. Um, sometimes the, the market in their industry changes and they're suddenly unemployed or the company that they work for uh, is bought out. And then there's, uh, you know, the, the new chiefs need to demonstrate some cost savings. So again, they could be suddenly unemployed. And for some of these people, it's really hard to find meaningful work doing what they've been doing for all these years and get paid a respectable salary. So they look at entrepreneurship as as really um, either something they really in their heart wanted to do anyway, or maybe they feel like they're forced to. What thoughts do you have about how somebody like that might be successful as an entrepreneur? You know, whether it's in the real estate industry where you have a lot of experience, or maybe in another sector. Well, it's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> I have so many answers to that. So first of all, I want to back up a step and go. If you are listening to this podcast right now and you feel like you're fine and you're secure in your job, I want you to listen very carefully because you're not. So first of all, nobody is safe. Uh, I was on a webinar maybe just a few days ago and it was talking all about all the changes that are coming with artificial intelligence and augmented reality and a lot of the, the new technologies that are coming up. I mean, for God's sake, in our industry, there's people, you know, 3D printing houses for $10,000. You know, like it's unbelievable how fast things are changing. And human beings are not really geared for change. I get it. So even if you're, whether you are forced into this, are thinking about it, or even think you're safe, it, this applies to everyone. And the, the two pieces of advice that I would give are there's really two areas that you want to look at. And hopefully there might be some bleed over, but what are the things that you're good at? That's the first place to look. And sure, you're good at your job, but what are the things specifically within your job that you're good at? Because sometimes that can create some sort of consulting within your industry, right? I mean, like a like a good example is you know, a guy who maybe is a really good uh, writer for he, you know, he works as a technical writer for a company that puts out, um, you know, owner's manuals, right? So that might make a very good copywriting consultant once that guy goes out on his own. Just, you know, again, just an example. So it's something that he knows. So one area to look at is what you're good at. And what you're good at may not always be professional. Uh, you also may be a guy who's like a, an amazing engineer by day. But when you get home at night, you're, well, I mean, I'm just going to sound really random, but you're really great at growing bonsai trees. I don't know. But there may be a business there in the bonsai business or teaching others how to grow bonsai trees, right? And curing them and all that. And again, it may be just a rotten example. So look at that sort of stuff. The other side to it is not just what you're good at. But what is it that you really love? Some people go to a job all day and they can't wait to get home and work on their hobby. You know, maybe that's playing the guitar, something musical, maybe it's cooking, whatever. Those are the kinds of things that also can make for nice little businesses. 
And the internet, what's great about it is it's completely leveled the playing field for everyone. So it doesn't take a lot of money to be able to find, you know, to, to buy some traffic, to put some eyeballs in front of an offer. And with technology being what it is, targeting is becoming more and more exact. So, you know, if, like, for example, we, we're sending out a direct mail piece right now to known investors. These are like people that we know have paid cash for rental properties and they bought more than one. They bought at least three. So these people have money. They're already buying properties. Now, if we sell rental properties, that's a pretty targeted audience for us. We can put some content in front of them that's extremely meaningful. So that's what I'm saying is the, the days of what our parents taught us, or maybe grandparents, depending on how old you are, that, hey, just go out and get a good job and get a good education, those days are gone. I mean, most of the kids coming out of college right now are it's so much student debt, and technology is changing so fast that their college degree is obsolete within 18 to 24 months. And it's I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a college degree. I think it's great from a standpoint that you complete something and you you know you you learn how to focus, you learn how to study. I mean, there's things that are you learn how to party in my case. <laughs> like there's there's lots of things that are really great skills, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to build you a life. So anyway, that's the place I would start is is look for the things that you love and look for the things that you're good at. Well said. Shecky, whom do you know personally who has done a remarkable job of smashing the plateau? Uh, I'm going to liken back to my years in Austin. Uh, I moved there because there was an incredible internet digital marketing community there. And what I saw in the decade or so that I was there was not just tremendous growth of that city, but tremendous growth of the entrepreneurial and digital marketing community. And what was really interesting to me as I was seeing, I, I can't, I'm not going to name one name specifically, but there were probably half a dozen people that were kids at the time, kids. I mean, these people were like in their early to mid 20s. And some of them, you know, didn't have college degrees, whatever. But you know what they had? They had gumption. They had balls. And they they knew that they were good at something. And they just put themselves out there as difficult as it was. And if you look at some of the earlier days of, of webinars, even before the days of Facebook Live and some of the other stuff that we have now, they were just willing to take a chance. And as a result, they got a lot of traction and they got a lot of followers. And these were people that, like, I know one guy that lives on the beach in La Jolla, California, probably the most expensive place to live. He's now maybe 28, 29 years old. And this kid went, started, uh, he was living, I don't think he's from the East Coast, like New Jersey, Connecticut, something like that. But he started his online career in the basement of his parents' house. His college dropout didn't know what the hell he wanted to do, and, but so there's there's hundreds of examples like that, the people that just put themselves out there, and especially young people that really were for whatever reason they they had the fear and they just went and put themselves out there anyway, and they got in front of a video, video camera, they got in front of a mic, they started writing, they just took their ideas and put them forward. 
And there were enough people that they obviously had something of value to offer. So there was enough people that that saw that as value that jumped on board and started buying their programs or buying their products. And and the the, the money exchange has just been phenomenal to watch because again, these are people that went from not rubbing two nickels together to multimillionaires. And you know, it, it's not necessarily not necessarily saying that everybody's going to be a multimillionaire, but the the change in their financial position was huge. Right, which circles back to where we started this conversation, which is write it down and put it out there to the universe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that, you know, you I mean, there, there's plenty of arguments to refute that. You know, I don't I remember the famous saying, you know, man plans and God laughs. Um, I think there's some truth to that, too. But it, uh, in my mind, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't plan. You You should go after really what your goals are and what your dreams are. And, you know, a lot of people go, well, I just don't know. I don't know what I really want to do. Well, I can assure you that your heart knows, that your soul knows. There are things that you do sometimes that make you feel very happy, that make you very fulfilled. You know, maybe it's just going for a walk on a sunny day with your mom. I don't know. But you really have to start dialing into the things that really give you inner happiness, inner satisfaction. And even if you just started with making a list of that stuff, that would get you a long way towards figuring out what it is you really want. Right. And also, if you start doing some of them and reflect on your experience, that will start to give you some data. Yep, absolutely. Now, Shecky, what's coming up in the near future for you? Uh, we're going through some big growth. Uh, we just uh, uh, earmarked a whole lot more money for more inventory, and we're beefing up our marketing. So we're we're finally uh, getting past the uh, you know the the hardest startup point of our business, and we're really moving into the scale up. And you know we also have a podcast, and uh, you know I've been doing some other guest spots, and so yeah, it's really really starting to get some churn, and it's really starting to get fun. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm jazzed. I'm super excited because we we offer a, a great product to our market, and uh, we're going to be able to do a better job and and do more of it. And Shecky, for someone who wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, learn more about what you have to offer, get in touch with you, access any resources you have. Where would they go? Just go. The name of our company is called High Return Real Estate, and it's spelled just like it sounds. And that's the uh, website address, highreturnrealestate.com. And you can see everything we're doing, and you can see our properties, and uh, it's it, we're, everything is laid out right there on the website. Right. And do you have a free gift for our audience? We do. Anybody that goes to the website and wants to speak with us, who want to do a direct consultation, uh, if you've listened to this, then uh, you can drop me a note at sales at highreturnrealestate.com and I will get you connected with Nicole who runs our, she heads up our investor relations team and we will get you a free consult with Nicole and make sure that you get all your, your investing hat on correctly. Okay. And is there um, like um, a, a profile for somebody who might be a good candidate to have this conversation with Nicole? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're in the lower price properties, so almost all of our stuff we're selling all cash. We're in kind of the forty-five to seventy-five thousand dollar price point, and that's 
done, finished, rehabbed, rented, performing, and everything. So we're selling typically all cash. So if you're, you know, if you've got, you know, $10,000 or so saved up and there's really, you know, you're thinking you're going to finance it. Unfortunately, that doesn't really work with our model because uh, most lenders have $75,000 minimums. So all of our investors typically pay cash up front unless you're doing it out of a special retirement account or doing a 1031 exchange or something like that. Uh, but again, that's the purpose of the call with Nicole is to see how that fleshes out. Um, and there's plenty of places to get the cash if you don't have it. But I'm just saying the upfront purchase for us has to happen in cash. Okay. Sounds great. Well, Shecky, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. It's been a, a great discussion. We covered a lot of topics in a relatively short amount of time, and I'm really grateful for your insight. Yeah. I'm grateful for you. Great questions. Yes. Uh, my guest today has been the CEO of High Return Real Estate, Jeff Schechter, also known as Shecky. Thank you again, Shecky, for joining us. Thanks a lot. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to succeed in a rapidly changing business environment and how Shecky has dealt with his own ups and downs as an entrepreneur. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.